Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Ruler Podcast. My name's Jack Thurston, and this is the podcast for issue 52 of Ruler Magazine. And uh, with me for the podcast um, is editor of the magazine, Ian Cleverly. Hi, Ian. Hello, Jack. And down the line from Denmark is um, photographer Jakob Christian Sorensen. Welcome to the podcast, Jakob Christian. Thanks a lot. Happy to be here. Whereabouts are you in, in Denmark right now? I am below a restaurant in a, a town called Aarhus. And um, we are below a bike shop in, um, in Clerkenwell, aren't we? We're in a fantastic fitting room. It's called the Bespoke Performance Lab. Um, and it's part of the bespoke bike shop here, which I don't know, bike shop doesn't quite cover it, does it, Ian? It, yeah, Emporium, I think. I mean, we're, we're sitting at uh, the other side of a, a glass wall looking at um, parleys and moots and treks and all sorts of loveliness. And um, yeah, once we've finished here, obviously, I'm just going to go out and schmooze yeah well they, they did while i was waiting for you to turn up in um they showed me this retool fitting um rig that they've got behind us which involves you sitting on what looks like an instrument of torture behind um us but is some sort of static bicycle uh, where everything can be moved around um, and then they attach some infrared transmitters to various parts of your body and and over here there's some sensors that collect all the information that's being transmitted by these infrared transmitters and, and it builds up a kind of 3d model of you moving on your bicycle and then that gets analyzed and um then they get you to open your checkbook and buy one of the really nice bikes on the other side of the um the glass yeah it's a bit different from my day it was a plumb line and a tape measure and a bloke going yeah oh, that'll do i know when i had a bike fit <laughs> when, when i had a bike fitting um they just stuck a load of um those circles, that the whole punch yeah. reinforcing circles onto my knees and ankles and then said, oh, you chose good parents. We don't need to change anything. <laughs> All right, well, let's get, let's get, to, the, let's get to, the, to the magazine. Um, we begin, as ever, with uh, picking out our favourite photographs from this issue. Jakob Christian, do you want to go first? Sure. Well, I have a, a lot of my photographs uh, in that in this issue but uh, none of them are my favorite i i really like a lot of the shots uh, but my my favorite one is on page 70 it's from the milton keynes uh, feature which uh, and the shot has got actually nothing obvious to do with cycling 
which I uh, I like a lot. <laughs> Going through rouleur, I, I often find kind of a rest in the photos where there's no riders and no bikes in them. Yeah, so that's a beautiful foggy morning in Milton Keynes. Foggy, yeah. A foggy morning in lovely Milton Keynes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 there would, yeah, on the, the theme of... Um, Shots having no bikes in them. I, I, I liked uh, I liked Jacob's shot from um, from Aspen. That is just this this glorious glorious scene that looks like it could have come from a western. This amazing amazing shot, which is on page uh, fifty four. It, it just looks it looks like a film set. It's just beautiful. You just you just want to get down there and ride your bike. But um, as 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 uh, Jacob's with us, I'll, I'll, I'll swerve and go for um, page thirty two, which is by. Paolo Martelli, and it's of Luca Paolini, who has just—he's just a face that that just photographs wonderfully. There's just everything about him, you know, his hair, his beard—I don't know—the way he, the, those creases at the edges of his eyes, um, just such a beautifully expression, expressionistic, if that's the right word, face. Yeah, he looks like he could be some kind of a sea captain from the time of the conquistadors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah well, definitely. The yeah. things also when whenever I'm at a race, and uh, I know that that uh, Mr. Paulini is in the race, then at every point uh, on the parkour, where, where when I'm waiting there, I always try to get a shot of Paulini because his face is just great. Uh, well, my my pick is is a picture of a, of a gent- large gentleman uh, by the name of Dirk. And he is behind his bar in um, in ich. West Flanders. Yes. Ichtigem. Ichtigem in West Flanders. And and just the lovely I mean it just it just transports you to that bar, that picture. And and because it's it's entirely authentic and um, and just just makes me want to pick up one of those those glasses on the on the uh, on the bar top there and, and, and have a swig. Actually, the beauty of that photograph is you can't actually feel how um, icky everything in that bar is. Uh, I can assure you wouldn't have wanted to pick up one of those glasses. And as for touching any of the memorabilia, um, it, 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 you just come out of there going, I must go and wash my hands. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, why so? It just, it's just, just nothing's been touched in there for um, you know, a decade, I would guess. But that's how all Belgian bars are. And that's what I love about them. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm, yeah, OK, OK, OK. Well, that's on uh, page 141. Uh, okay, so um, that, that's our; those are our our, our choices. Um, Ian, you've got a you've got a competition winner to announce before we get on to talking about um, the, the contents of the magazine in more detail. Yeah, go go ahead. Yes, indeed. Uh, so last issue, the question because we did a, there was a big feature on Condor Cycles, so we asked, well, what is Monty Young of Condor Cycles? What is his name at the Pickwick Bicycle Club? Because everybody in the Pickwick Bicycle Club has a name um, of some description that has been taken from um, uh, the works of Charles Dickens. The works of Dickens, indeed. Thank you for bailing me out there. Um, and uh, Rob Wicks is the prize. We have a, uh, some lovely winter goodies from Condor, um, and he, he um, correctly uh, worked out that Monty Young is otherwise known as Mr. Green. Wow. Yeah. Not Mr. Mauve. No, no, it's, it's, no, it's nothing to do with Cluedo, no. no. Or Condor Cycles. No, no. Because I got told off by Grant for describing it as purple. Their, their colours, Condor Racing Team's colours, purple and 
white, mauve and white, Jack, mauve and white. There's a difference. <laughs> Nobody uses the word mauve anymore, do they? Grant Young does. Okay, okay. Okay. Well, congratulations to Rob Wicks, and hopefully you'll have received uh, something by now. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> it's on its way. It's on, no, it's on it. It's on its way. Great. And we have another competition, so stay tuned for that. Um, Jakob Christian, you are in. Have got two pieces in the uh, in the magazine, and and you are half. We should explain. You are a half of a of a celebrated duo, um, Ferulo magazine, that goes by the name of the Danes. <laughs> yeah. That's what we are. <laughs> oh, we sometimes insert crazy in between uh, the crazy Danes. The crazy Danes. You are currently downstairs from a restaurant. Yeah. Um, but you're a photographer. Yeah. But you're also a, a restaurateur or chef. No, yeah, I'm a chef. During the, the, the winter or the off season, then I, I teach a little, cook students. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm doing here, actually. So we've been through some fresh pasta today. <laughs> how, do, how do you juggle the, uh, the chefing and the teaching with the, with the photography? Well, whenever the, the, the classics or the spring season starts, then I quit teaching. <laughs> the energy is kind of the same uh, in the restaurant business as uh, it, it is at the races. It's a very, very hectic scene. I mean, it's, it's, it's two of my main interests, food and cycling and, and photography, of course. And so you're very much a partner, um, at least for Rouleur, with um, Morten Okpo. Um, yeah. Um, how did you guys become the partnership that you are? It's actually a, a funny story. It's in 2009, a friend of mine and me, we decided to go to Roubaix. And then my friend, Pierre, he's called... He, he, he phoned me and asked if he could bring a friend. And I was thinking hard and uh, inside I was going, no, 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 no. We don't want strangers on this trip. But out of my mouth came a yes, you can you can take him. This was Morten. And then uh, we we headed down from, uh, from Denmark in two cars and Morten was in the other guy's car. And then at some... Uh, Tankstelle in Germany, he jumped out of the, the other car into my car. And uh, we, we just had a blast. We had so much fun. And then he, he, he stayed in the car uh, up until now. That's five years now. Six years, actually, when we reached Roubaix again uh, this spring. And then this was his first race. And then we came back uh, Monday or Tuesday. We met at a bar Wednesday and discussed what to do and then uh, I said I'm still gold race is on Sunday he said yes let's go and then we went to uh, Amstel and we came back from Amstel and went for Liège uh, three races in a row and that just started it up we just uh, we, we loved it we, we, we wanted to, to stay at the races and, uh, and, and we thought we were experiencing a lot of uh, great things and we we thought that what we saw we didn't see that uh, described or, or or photographed by any other people so we thought this this could be something and it seems it seems like it is something and so how how would you describe the way you two as a team work together the way it appears in the magazine is it's words and pictures one from each but how do you work um, together and why, why do you only work together? 
we work very much as a team in a way that like we experience together it's kind of hard to 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 explain it but it's like we always know uh, where, where to go without discussing it at all which is a good thing uh, at a bike race since uh, you you can't waste any time at all modern modern is involved in picking uh, the shots uh, that that I I sent to uh, to Ian and then uh, and I I always like read his words and uh, so so we do it very much together. Of course, it's Morten is uh, the the boss on the words, but and I'm the boss on the photographs. But uh, still, it's a it's a close collaboration between the two of us. And so you went out to um, the United States to uh, spend some time with Lance Armstrong. And we did talk a bit about that story, the first part of which appeared in issue 51 of the mm -hmm. magazine. Um, you came to some pretty strong, or at least Morton did in the, in the piece, came to some pretty strong conclusions about yeah. Lance. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think I'm breaking any uh, confidences or, or secrets to say that, you know, you really like the guy. Yeah, sure. I mean... Uh... For a couple of months, I, I was really worried about uh, how are we going to break uh, this guy, which is a totally well-trained media guy. He he usually uh, sort of dictates uh, how and when, and uh, a lot of journalists uh, have had bad bad experiences uh, being close to Lance. But it was a lot easier than I thought. He he was. Uh, he was just like a country boy, like Morton and I, and uh, and we were laughing most of the time, actually. And of course, you have a lot of thoughts about this man before you meet him, because he, he's, he's a, a very clear character uh, in cycling. And we also had a lot of uh, things that we thought, like we disliked about the guy, but we had to put that aside because we weren't interested in that side. Uh, actually, we wanted to see is there another guy than the guy that we have met in the media for the last 15 or 20 years? And uh, I don't know if it, if it was all a spin, but then it was. Then he's really good at what at at uh, spinning journalists and and photo photographers. Um, I I think we we just had a really good time with him. I think Jack asked me in the last podcast. You know, do you think we've been played by by Lance? And I just went, yeah, well, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, of course. There's a, what, yeah, and <laughs> I was like, it, it, I don't care if the story stands up and it's interesting and it's fun, you know. It's just yeah. like, how else could we do that story? We're just going to do the same old, same old of, you know, trying yeah, to crack him. You ain't going to win that one, you know. No, you ain't going to win that one for sure. And um, I personally, I do not find it interesting to do that. I mean, uh, not that I wouldn't want to read it uh, if somebody else did, but uh, but it's not for me to do, and I, I'm I'm sure Morton would say the same. Actually, we did ask in the last uh, in the last podcast what next for Lance. Um, what do you think is next for Lance? Well, one thing is for sure that it's impossible to imagine him playing golf for the next sixty years. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean. For now, well, it seems like cycling does not have a place for him. <laughs> Maybe it's a bit too early also. But uh, hmm. we will see him on some sort of stage again. He, he says it, it, it ain't going to be politics. Uh, he says that for sure. 
but uh, who knows? Who knows? I, I really, I really don't know what to to answer to that question because I don't know what's next for him. He says it's golf. <laughs> Shall we turn to um, some cyclocross in Milton Keynes? We talked. We mentioned the uh, the photographs, but you 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 went. I did indeed. Yeah, yeah. It was wild, man. It was it was really spectacularly good, and I went there thinking it would be okay, and um, just exceeded all expectations um, from the course to the size of the crowd to the enthusiasm of the crowd as well. They they were just up for it, you know, all day long. And that might be the it might be the novelty factor. It might be the fact you know that we've never had it before. So so that's why we I guess we were rather more excited than the Belgians. But um, you know, it's one of the reasons I I was so keen on 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 Benedict's photo where there um, the senior men are. are hitting the first piece of off camber and it's just hellish absolutely hellish i mean hardly anybody could stay upright on it and obviously that's where that's where the big crowds are um but it was it was really testing and and uh some people love a course like that i mean nikki harris did very well on it um, um and some people not so much but uh yeah which is why there's a photo of nikki harris smiling there which is um nice to see <laughs> What makes a good a good course? What makes a World Cup quality course? It, it needs to be testing without being suicidal. I mean, I, I mean, I rode it the following day, and for for an amateur like me, it was a nightmare. But but when you see when you see these guys and girls doing it, it it's um, their skill level is just something else. And and the good riders will will come to the to the top on a course like that. On on the, on the flatter courses i mean obviously whether it's dry or not is is down to luck with the weather but you know on the on the less interesting courses you can get guys can just power away that aren't necessarily the most skillful riders and and you want to see a world champion that's that's got everything really so no he's got it do you like to watch cyclocross Jakob christian uh, well i only did it once actually and that was great that was in in uh, belgium with brian holm from uh, from Quickstep when we did the feature on him some years ago, we went to the Tombone Charity Cyclocross thing in December, and I mean, experiencing uh, cyclocross for the first time, uh, you should do that in Belgium for sure. I was amazed, totally amazed about the crowd, and the atmosphere, and uh, the French fries, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. It does seem that the Anglo-Saxon world is catching up rather fast, doesn't it, with uh, with with the love for cyclocross um, in Britain and particularly in America. The Americans are getting there. There's rumoured to be getting a, um, a round of the World Cup cross, but we'll see. And nothing confirmed, but um, that would make life interesting. And uh, let's move on. Let's move on to um, your second piece, um, Jakob Christian. This is. Uh, we're staying in, well, we're going to Belgium properly now, aren't we? For the uh, omelette head newsblad. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I really That's... murdered that, I think. <laughs> no, I think you're pretty close. Omelette head newsblad, I think. But uh, What do you like about this race? Well, it's the, the first race uh, of the season 
in Belgium of uh, the well the first of the the, the larger races and uh, well I've seen the race on TV uh, for years and it seems like they 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 drive in the dark already in the middle of the uh, the afternoon and this uh, in some weird way this also seems like one of the hardest because they are more dependent on the weather uh, here it's around the first of March or the end of February depending on on the year uh, and the dates uh, and it's like it can it can get nearly to uh, below zero so the conditions are extremely hard which I like <laughs> it, it makes a good race it's uh, it, it makes it uh, sort of easier as a photographer to get some good shots when people are well, they are in pain uh, actually before they start, because it's so cold and they are they are wet uh, after ten minutes waiting at the at the start. So it's just like it's full on from the beginning, and uh, as always in Belgium, uh, uh, when it comes to cycling, it doesn't matter if it's uh, on the road or if it's cyclocross. The crowd is there, and they are there every time. What I love about it as, as a photo story is that it, the photos almost look black and white because of that uniform Belgian greyness. Yeah. And it's only the, the orange kit and the orange guichottis, don't they ride, of the CCC squad that, that just yeah. zings out, you know. And if, it's, and if it's not them, it's the, the marshals in their high-vis jackets. And, and, and every photo has that, that orange just kind of singing through. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. The feature is from last year's uh, race, and well, it was just like incredibly cold and uh, tough, tough conditions. Uh, a lot of wind and a, a lot of rain, so terrible and perfect in the same way. <laughs> uh, in Morton's um, article, um, he has a sort of extended um, metaphor um, describing uh, hunting on the savannah in, in, in Africa. Um, yeah. hunting some wild animals with you as the huntsman um, taking your photographs, shooting the animals. Mm -hmm. Is that how you feel when you go to a race? Do you feel like you're, you're, you're in hunting mode? Yeah, you do, actually. And, and it is like the writers, they always uh, uh, talk about the race mode, but uh, we definitely know a race mode as well. Especially in in uh, the the races in Belgium, because it seems like you you just like uh, get in and out of the race, and you don't know exactly when you're in and when you're out. So all of a sudden you are you are ahead of some riders, and and it's very disturbing actually, and very exciting. <laughs> so uh, you're tired when you when you when you hit hit your pillow <laughs> at the end of that day. And how do you go about planning? Um, the shots that you're going to take. You you pick some spots and then uh, I know the roads in this part of Belgium pretty well. And uh, then then you choose like you choose five or ten spots that you want to go, and then you succeed to get to maybe four, five, six of them. And uh, the rest of the day you just uh, you just scream at your driver, which is modern in this case. Uh, trying to get him to the ne next uh, spot as fast as possible, and then uh, then you pick up whatever you get along the way. 
which is a lot because I, li I like the whole scenery, the people, the crowd, and uh, also like the marshals and, and stuff. It, it has a, a certain atmosphere to it, I think. Because that does seem to be, um, you know, the way, and that has been for a long time, the ruler approach is to try and capture the atmosphere of a race rather than just the action um, mm -hmm. that is the decisive action because that's very difficult to capture and ultimately that's what is on television that's it what is. the major press photographers will be looking for the ones who yeah. are on the back of a motorbike they will be catching the decisive moments but you're after something something different yeah definitely i mean you have to be incredibly lucky to get the decisive moment when you're standing uh, on the roadside so we are there for something else uh, and i think that goes for uh, all photographers uh, contributing to Rouleur that we are always there for something else uh, and then it's well actually it's 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 kind of simple sometimes you just need to turn around 180 degrees and see what's behind you because that's that's that, that scenery or that that's what's going on behind you at the roadside is also to me it's part of the race also if you walk into like a dark brown bar that's also the race happening there to me at least i can confirm having having driven a photographer in a race i can confirm that they do shout at you and it is absolutely nerve-wracking and it doesn't help no, <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> <laughs> not for me i'm a no. nervous driver though <laughs> no but and, it, and it's a it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of stress too it is. Uh, it, it always. You you never succeed uh, in getting everything you want. I mean that that would make me f uh, be very suspicious. If I one at a, one time at a race got everything I wanted, then I would think something is terribly wrong here. Let's talk about um, cycling novels briefly um, to, to to wind up. Um, I enjoyed the piece by Paul Maunder. He's a writer. Um, he would like to write a cycling novel. I mean, he's an established writer, 20 years writing fiction, um, but he's blocked. And um, he goes into um, what makes and what doesn't make a good um, cycling novel and, and asks the question of why there are so few um, genuine cycling novels. Obviously picks out the rider as head and shoulders above the rest. I think he misses out on um, Bad to the Bone, James Waddington, which is a book was published in the 1990s, sort of kind of magical realist parable of um of, of doping ultimately um Jakob, did you have a chance to to read that one yeah i did in in denmark is there a literature or a fiction literature of, of cycling no no not really uh we have jorgen let uh, who is the commentator he he's the he's a filmmaker as well he made uh uh, the, the 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 movie from 1976 about Roubaix. Oh, a Sunday in Hell. A Sunday in Hell. Yeah, he 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 made or he makes uh, or writes cycling poetry. He has uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, poems of his is about Fausto Coppi. So we have that, uh, but but uh, that that's about it, I think. I think it's interesting. I think Paul says quite early on in the piece is, is you'd think that, that bike racing would have all the necessary ingredients and, and nobody's really, really hit the mark. And especially when you think the popularity of the sport 
in the UK in the last few years, you'd think there must be some writers sitting out there just going, come on, you know, like, I just need to get this story together. Maybe somebody's working on one, I don't know. Maybe there are so many good real stories that mm. you don't, told by people like Richard Moore and, 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 and others, um, Matt Rendell, that you don't actually need to, uh, to invent them. What is it like? You couldn't make it up. Well, exactly. I mean, if you did make it up, they'd go, God, no, never. That never happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Win the Tour de France seven times and then get found out for doping. No, no. No, no way. <laughs> but also, I think, I think what's quite... I mean, it's a good advice for anyone who's listening, thinking that they might be the person who's going to write um, this great uh, cycling novel, is that a great novel is, is never really about something like cycling or or any sort of way of life it's it's not that is the setting and that is the incidental scenery but ultimately satisfying and successful novels are about human relationships yeah well i would just say that in terms of breaking away and you'll get some people who will say that breaking away is is oh it's not a good cycling movie well no it's not it's it's a, it's a human story it just happens to be based around a guy that rides a bike you know, and that's that's the angle it kind of needs to come from if there is going to be if there is a good novel to be written. Yeah, I mean, storytelling doesn't come from eleven-speed cassettes, and um, you know, as he, as he, as Paul says in the thing, you know, whether he's wearing a cap under his his helmet or not, you know, all the little incidental details that I think novelists often want to immerse themselves in. That's just that's just boring, you know, to read for the reader. That is just boring, mm. unless you're describing some very very outre interesting world that that is not really available uh, to be seen elsewhere you're really lifting the lid on on you know the mafia or something like that some some hidden place i don't know maybe the peloton is a, a sufficiently hidden place that you could describe you know what goes on in it and and people would be um people would be interested and find that interesting in and of itself as well as uh, the, the human relationships that that you'd need to develop in a novel do you think morton would uh, would turn his hand to writing a a, a great cycling novel. I mean, he's a terrific stylist. He's got lots of uh, interesting things to say. I mean, he often roams freely, um, bringing in all kinds of ideas and and uh, philosophical discussions into into his into his stuff. Do you think Do you think he could uh, turn out a cycling novel, Jakob well, Christian? Well, I think uh, he's able to, uh, and, and uh, maybe if we all ask him for a couple of years. Uh, several times he would he would try it out and but I also I think what he's already doing is taking he is mixing a little fiction into uh, to the the, uh, the things he, he writes for ruler and uh, well it makes the stories a little bit better or a bit more juicy uh, and uh, maybe it's just like rehearsing to to go all the way at some point. I don't know. I would. I would. I would love to read it though. Uh, I think he's 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 at his uh, his very best when when he he mixes uh, a little bit of fiction into it. I think he, he does that very well. So you don't mind being the butt of his of his fictional anecdotes then? I'm always uh, that that yeah. guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when I read when I read what he writes, then I then I always think that I, I wish that he shouldn't he wouldn't use me as uh, as the the stupid guy in this yeah, story. <laughs> you're the, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. the full guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am actually. So so it's fair enough. Okay, so competition time. Um, Ian, you've got a you've got a question. 
yes. Oh, prize for this competition is uh, is a ruler, rollable pen, classic sport rollable pen, and a notepad as well. Real old school, you know, for people who write letters uh, or novels or novels. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, it's very nice piece of kit. Um, question for this um, competition is. Roger Hammond features in the uh, opening piece of the magazine talking about the Tour of Flanders and indeed the Muir specifically. We've, done, we've got a piece on the Muir and um, it's um, sadly not no longer in the, in the race. Um, how many Tours of Flanders did Roger Hammond ride? And the uh, email address to send your answer to is competitions at ruler.cc. Competitions at ruler.cc. How many tours of Flanders did Roger Hammond ride? Well, elsewhere in the magazine, you can read um, about more about Luca Paolini, um, Andy McGrath with the words there, um, and uh, the usual columns from Matt Seaton and Robert Miller. Um, great piece, actually, I thought, from Matt on night riding. I really enjoyed that. Um, you can find out about Canyon Cycles. Timothy John went out to Germany with uh, Martin Smith. Um, to take the pictures and um, and this murder mystery from um, Olivier Nielsen Julien about uh, Richard de Porter so um, a, a, a wide ranging magazine Jakob Christian thanks for joining us and thanks for the photography and the cooking <laughs> and the swearing and the drug taking oh, yeah, you, didn't, yeah. it didn't, you didn't take any drugs at Lance's place did you? No, we really tried to get hold of some but it was just impossible because I was I, I was really hoping that you do that thing like Will Self did, didn't he, in the battle bus? Or no, he was on John Major's aeroplane during the 92 election and yeah. Um, yeah. indulged in some uh, Class A action, which I think got him thrown off pretty quickly. But I, I was hoping that you'd have maybe had a quick line down in uh, Lance's den. Trust me, we tried all we could with no luck. <laughs> well, thank you, Jakob Christian Sorensen, Ian you Cleverly. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for downloading this edition of the Ruler podcast. You can read Ruler magazine, which comes out eight times a year, by taking out a subscription. Go to www.ruler.cc or you can pick up the latest edition at a growing number of bookshops and bike shops. If you've got an iPad, you can read the magazine on the iPad. Not only the current issue, but a handful of back issues as well. You'll find it in the Apple Bookstore. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 